And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, we've got, a, I think, a great show for you this afternoon. An, an interview with one of the newest Blue Jackets, defenseman Nick Blankenberg, who just signed in as an undrafted free agent out of Michigan. It's a great story. You've probably figured out by now this is a really engaging kid. Hell of a player, too. Uh, we'll take some of your questions for him as well. First, let's get to some news and notes here. Big news this morning uh, for the Blue Jackets. Um, even before practice started, they were making headlines. The Blue Jackets, uh, the league announced that the Blue Jackets and the Colorado Avalanche, as part of the NHL's global series, will play two games in Tampere, Finland, November 4 and 5 next season. So that's about a month into the season. Uh, the Jackets are going to head to Helsinki early that week. Not sure exactly what day they go, but they'll have a few days uh, lead up before they head west to Tampere for the games. Um, Such a meaningful trip for at least two of the Blue Jackets. Patrick Laine is from Tampere. Uh, Jarmo Kekalainen was born there as well. So there's a couple of tour guides built in uh, to this trip. Uh, One of the great things, the Blue Jackets played San Jose in Stockholm back in 2010-11. Um, it was an incredible trip. Uh, anytime you travel, you learn. Uh, but it was so cool to go over there and see those games in that setting. Saw tons of Blue Jackets fans over there. I assume there'll be many that make the trip uh, this time. I'm already thinking about a front nationwide live podcast. Maybe not live podcast, but a podcast from Helsinki or from Tampere. What the hell? Let's let's do one in both. Um, and some meetups would be great. I've Said this on uh, Twitter. I stick to it. The first long drink is on me. Uh, Helsinki is a great place. I was there a couple summers ago. Um, really, really interesting place. Great people and incredible passion for hockey. Uh, so these games should be a real hoot. Um, so we'll, you'll learn more about that trip certainly this summer as the details come in. I'm guessing the Blue Jackets will set up a travel package uh, for fans as they did. I don't want to speak for them, but I believe they did that. Uh, for the Stockholm trip as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, Blue Jackets back in action on Friday, back in Nationwide Arena to host the Ottawa Senators. And they've got to get the bad taste of this California trip out of their mouth. They went over California for the first time since 08, uh, losing in regulation to Los Angeles, Anaheim, San Jose on Tuesday. 
uh, before heading home tail between their legs on Wednesday. Um, yeah, back to practice today. Uh, the Senators are in town tomorrow. And the Blue Jackets, it sure looks like they're going to continue to be without some significant players, not just for that Ottawa game, but quite possibly for the rest of the way here. Uh, Boone Jenner's been out a month with a back injury. Patrick Laine has now missed two games with an upper body injury. Uh, you probably saw Wierenski leave Anaheim, uh, the game in Anaheim on Sunday with a jaw injury. They haven't ruled any of these guys out for the season, but they've also said they're not going to push them back. There's no urgency to get these guys back in if they're not fully 100% ready to, to play. Uh, I think they'd like to play again. I think the least likely to play again is probably Jenner. Uh, but Wierenski and, and Line A should be seen as, as day-to-day, but probably questionable for the rest of the season as well. Uh, so with five games left in the season, the Blue Jackets now can really turn it over to the young players. You've seen Kent Johnson come into the lineup, get his first NHL point uh, against San Jose on Tuesday. That was a cool moment. He's, you can just see with Johnson. I, I think it's been a little overwhelming for him, the pace and the, the size of these players. It's kind of what you expect it to be. This is the benefit of him getting this taste late this season and having a better idea this summer of what he's up against in his training. There's no better way to get that vivid picture. Um, So he's going to continue to play and get ice time. I think you see little moments in each of his games where you go, oh, there it is. There's that skill that we've we've heard about. Uh, He made a behind-the-back pass on the power play to keep the puck alive uh, and in the zone that uh, pretty impressive. Every game he's had a couple of glimmers. you got to watch for him right now. It's not obvious. It will be in time, uh, but you can see he's coming around. And there's going to be more ice time for today's guest. Uh, Nick Blankenberg went from getting his first taste of the NHL against Montreal just a week or so ago uh, to quickly ascending to the Blue Jackets' top four. Uh, now, that may say as much about him and his ability as it does about the Blue Jackets' situation on the back end, especially with Wierenski injured. But this kid is a great story. Uh, 5'9", 185, extremely competitive. Um, as has been said by others, it's like he's the only guy that doesn't realize that he is supposedly undersized. He's 23 years old. He has willed his way to the NHL. Uh, so many twists and turns. It, it, it reads like a Disney story, except it's believable. Uh, he's switched positions like this. Uh, many, many players switch positions when they're young kids. He switched positions. I, and I want to check this with him, but I believe this is accurate. At the age of 18. He went from forward to defense, and that really has changed his his entire outlook. He walked on at Michigan. You don't just walk on at Michigan for the hockey team. Um, he was it wasn't on scholarship until he was a senior at Michigan, even though he was a captain this final two years. Um, he's got a great story to tell. He is a great story. Uh, let's get to our chat now with uh, one of the newest Blue Jackets. Defenseman Nick Blankenberg. Okay, joined now by Nick Blankenberg, one of the newest Blue Jackets, and one heck of a of a great story. Nick, thanks for being with us. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I, I we're going to go back and and get into your story because it's such a fascinating story. But tell me first about your the California trip. I know that that is such a fun trip for anybody. Even veterans get excited about the California trip. What was that like for you? How how cool was it to 
to see those rinks, see those cities. I'm not sure if you've been to California before, uh, but how did you fare coming back from the trip and, and how ready to go are you for Friday? Yeah, it was uh, it was a really exciting trip for me. Uh, was able to be around the guys a lot and and just kind of grow closer to the team in general. And um, for me, just I've never been to California, so it was just cool to kind of see the see the state. And I mean, not many people get to go to LA, Anaheim, and San Jose all in a, a span of a week. So right. it was really unique for me and, and special just to see um, all the different cities and and all the different rinks too. Is uh, really cool being able to play at what is it crypto.com now which used to be yeah. staples center right. so right uh so that was cool there's just a few times just throughout the week where i'm just looking in the ocean or looking up in the crowd at at crypto.com and and just realizing how thankful i am for um this opportunity so it was definitely definitely a fun week and um feeling really good for tomorrow had a good practice today and excited to play ottawa that's awesome and you guys stayed in santa monica which is my opinion, one of the more beautiful spots in this this country. You can get lost staring out at that ocean, eh? Oh yeah. Went to uh yeah. just anytime you have just go for a walk on the beach or down right. by the pier and um get to see some pretty cool stuff and never experienced uh California or even Santa Monica like that before. So first yeah. time being being at the Pacific Ocean. So it's definitely uh pretty cool. That's awesome. Now let's go back to to Washington and Michigan. That is a suburb of Detroit, yes. Yeah, just okay. 45 minutes north of Detroit. Okay. And and tell me about your family, just your background, how you got into hockey. Was Were your parents into hockey? What was the sort of the impetus of, of that for you? Yeah, so my dad was a goalie growing up, and uh, my older brother wanted to be like my dad. So uh, he's, he's about a few years older than me. Um, he's a 94. I'm a 98 birth year. So about four or five years. And, gotcha. um, like I said, he wanted to be a goalie like my dad. So my dad would always take him to the rink and got him some goalie gear and whatnot. And then when I was born, my, my brother and dad would always, uh, I'd always be around the rink watching my brother play or, um, or just being around the rink in general. So I always saw them out on the ice as goalies. And, uh, I decided I wanted, I wanted to shoot on them and, and try and score on them. So, uh, I guess that's kind of how I got into being a player. So I don't, um, necessarily remember all, all the days at the rink. Obviously it was a long time ago, but sure. I have some good memories of going to the rink with my brother and dad and early in the mornings and, and my dad making me carry my hockey bag or whatnot. So, Heck yeah. um, right. it was pretty funny, but definitely, definitely thankful for both of them. Yeah. Right. And so you went to Romeo high school, which by the way is a, a great name. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I think you probably loved it there and loved playing with your, your teammates. You would have, if possible, you would have joined a junior club somewhere for maybe better competition. Is that fair to say you 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 tried? Uh, yeah. So after my three years at Romeo High School, um, I was still forward at the time and yeah. was just trying to play uh, junior hockey. So I had like two interests in the North American Hockey League. Uh, one of them was Corpus Christi, and and their main camp was actually um, in Fraser, Michigan, which was about 20 minutes from my house. So I ended up going to their main camp and, um, was cut on, cut on the last day. So that was tough. And then had, uh, ended up going to one more camp in, uh, Minnesota. That was the last, uh, I think Fairbanks ice dogs or something like that. Um, so same thing there, made it to the last day and was one of the last cuts. So, um, I knew I was, not that far off from, from making a junior team. I think I just needed a year to develop and, 
uh, another year just to get better, to, to get bigger, to get stronger and just to yeah. think the game a little quicker. So um, ended up playing another year, a midget major for victory Honda, which was another Metro Detroit team. Right. Um, and eventually switched to D not even halfway through, through the year there. And um, ended up getting a look out in, in Alberta and Okotoks and uh, Alberta junior hockey league. So um, I think everything, everything happens for a reason. And um, me getting cut in freshman year of high school and not being able to play triple A, I was, I was pretty devastated back then. And looking back at it, it was the best thing that happened to me to play high school. And same thing for me getting cut from the North American league teams and, and going back and playing a year midget major and, and then switching to D and then um, going to Alberta. I think, I think everything happens for a reason. So um, yeah. it worked out. So I was, I was really thankful. Yeah. I, I love this story about you switching to D. Tell me the specifics about that. Was it, I don't think I, I haven't gotten the sense that it was planned. In other words, I don't think people looked at you and said, that's a forward who should be playing defense. I got the sense that there was a desperate situation with victory Honda where they needed defensemen. Was it, am I, am I reading that right? Yeah. Is, is that's, that whimsical? Yeah, that's, uh, that's spot on. We, uh, it was probably about four or five weeks into the season and, and we were in Pittsburgh, um, playing in a showcase and, we had one guy get hurt, one guy get kicked out. Um, so we had 4D for two more games uh, in the showcase. And coach came in the locker room in between periods and said, hey, does anyone anyone want to go back on D? We could really use wow. use somebody. And I kind of looked around and, and nobody really said anything. And I ended up raising my hand and said, sure, I'll go back there. And ended up playing playing pretty well for the two games. And um, and then went, went back to forward about a week later. And then kind of same another another week went by and had a guy leave for the USHL. And, um, I don't, I think one guy maybe quit the team or another guy got hurt. So we we're kind of back in the same situation again. And I ended up going back there and played even better and, and felt even more comfortable. And after that, uh, my coach, Brian Burke, who thankful for thankful for him and kind of said, Hey, like you might want to take into consideration of switching to D full time. I, I think this could be, could be good for you. So, I uh, talked to my brother, my dad, and ended up making the switch and, and kind of just jumped in um, 100% and uh, just tried to learn everything I could in those last few months of, of midget major before eventually going on and playing in Alberta. Yeah. So I asked this with full respect. Did you have any clue what you were doing in that first game defensively? Uh, I mean, it was kind of, yeah. I mean, I was, I think the biggest thing for me was just I was able to skate. So I'm sure yeah. like my gaps, my gaps weren't very good or whatnot, but I <laughs> right. basically just in midget major, it's not like guys are going to walk down on sure. if I just keep a guy to the outside that a guy's going to snipe at top corner, like they would in the NHL or even in college, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, it was definitely a lot, a lot easier than, than what it's, what it was in, in juniors or in college or, or even now. So, and mistakes were, it was okay. I mean, obviously it's okay to make mistakes at any level, but, um, I think it was, it was easier for me and kind of yeah. just uh, make mistakes and, and see what works and, and see what doesn't and see what I could get away with. Did that, do you believe that that position switch is, is sort of the key to all of this? In other words, do you think you could have continued to climb when you've gotten the opportunity in Alberta? Would you have walked on at Michigan? Would you be where you are? This may be an impossible question, but would you be where you are today if you still played forward position? No, I don't, I don't think so one bit. I think I, I think I would have, I would have been able to make a junior team and, and ended up committing to more of a, like a lower tier division one uh-huh. school, um, and played my four years out and, and got a degree. And honestly, I, I think I probably would, 
would be working or or still at school right now. Um, but yeah, I, I it's hard to it's hard to think about what my path would have would have been if I wouldn't have transitioned and and if I wouldn't have ended up at Michigan. I think um, especially my time in in Okotoks um, and my time in Michigan really helped me grow not only as a hockey player but as a person too. And, and I yeah. think that that has been like one of the biggest things for me. Um, yeah becoming a man and, and becoming a better person. Yeah. What was Okotoks like? What was living like, there like? Cause it, some of those Alberta cities are, we, we have an image of, of, um, of Canada. I think that sometimes is erroneous and that it, it, there's just some pretty small cities in the middle of nowhere. When you start to get into man. And I say that respectfully as a guy who's from a small town from the middle of nowhere, many would say uh, Manitoba, Alberta, it can be pretty sparse out there it's different than what you grew up with in the suburbs of Michigan for sure what was that adjustment like yeah I mean it wasn't uh wasn't too crazy for me I was I was really lucky um in the spot that I end up I think it's honestly probably the best spot in the Alberta Junior League in terms of organization and and location of team yeah um it was about literally 10 minutes right outside Calgary oh that's which has what a couple million people or or whatnot so Great they have, they have a, they love their hockey there and it was literally a suburb right outside Calgary. So that's why, uh, right in the foothills. So decent amount of people, really nice area, a lot of good restaurants in, in Okotoks and the town really loved, loved hockey and, and loved the junior team. So I'm um, really thankful for that. And, um, my billets, I got really lucky with, with two great billets and I didn't have a car out there and, and they let me use their car whenever, which wow. made it nice. And anything you'd want for, for groceries, they they'd get it for you. And, uh, not to mention like the house I lived in, I lived with two other guys on the team who, uh, still, still really close with till this day. And uh, we ended up, we ended up living in, it was probably like a five or $6 million house nice. in the foothills, nice. um, indoor pool, indoor hot tub, sauna, steam room, movie theater room, R three, R three, uh, hole in the backyard. Um, so I, I was really, really taken care of. And I don't think many junior, junior hockey players, whether if that's in Canada or in the U S can say they, um, were taken care of that nicely. So really, I was really say, for- yeah, you may want to stick it with like maybe Ann Arbor didn't seem so great after that experience. <laughs> no, uh, I didn't mind it, but no, my billets, my billets and just the whole organization in, in Okotoks was, was unbelievable to me and, um, very accepting and made the transition, uh, as smooth as, as smooth as it could have went. That's awesome. Now is it, is a, Proud Michigander, was Michigan always the dream? Uh, so for you, that was the dream as many kids growing up in Columbus, maybe dream of Ohio State. Was that your passion all along? Uh, not really, no, to be honest. I didn't really right. have, my grandpa was was a diehard Michigan fan, but had no one, no one in my family really went to either like Michigan or Michigan State. Interesting. Uh, so, I mean, growing up, honestly, like my brother played college hockey at, uh, Nebraska, Omaha. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, like that was a really good, good city and, and great school for him. And, um, for me, I, I kind of saw that and that was kind of where I wanted to go just to kind of see how my brother was treated and how, how he loved it there. But honestly, I just, I just wanted to play division one college hockey. I didn't really care. Yeah. Wow. I didn't care where it was. And then once, once Michigan, called me it was like okay like i kind of once i went on my visit i think on the car ride home, i told my parents i was like this is this is where i want to be this is where i want to go i have seen the yost and i need to play there yeah that's that's basically what it was and yeah um, so 
very thankful for my time at Michigan and uh, and everyone everyone who was involved in, in, in and whatnot. Yeah, that's great. And I can only imagine as a, as a kid that walked on. First of all, let's I'll try to go in, in sequence here to end up the captain of that great program. I mean, it it is a historically fantastic program to wear a C as a junior in Michigan after walking on to into the program. It, it has to just you had to be tremendously filled with with pride it, it, just at that nod. Yeah, I mean, any. I think that was kind of my goal after after my freshman year and, and just seeing the captains that we had in, in Will Lockwood and um, who was a great mentor to me my sophomore year. And uh, it was just a goal of mine. I, I wanted to be a captain my junior and senior year. And thankfully enough, the, the guys on the team voted for me to be an assistant my uh, junior and then obviously the captain my senior year. But yeah. um, I think it just it, it meant meant a lot to me and it's it's hard to put into words um exactly what that feeling of is being able to wear where the C at the University of Michigan is as a senior and, and being able to be from Michigan. But um it's definitely something that I'll I'll cherish and, and I'll remember obviously for the rest of my life. So I'll always go back there in the summers and and I'll always plan to plan to stay around there and, and be around the program. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And I can only imagine what it must have felt like about this time last season. Uh, you're moving along. You're having a hell of a season. Michigan, obviously, is a great program. I'm not sure what your NHL expectations were at that point. Dreams, sure, but I'm not sure what the expectation was. Um, to have an offer from an NHL team, we, re- we reported it's, it's Colorado, but it doesn't really matter who it was. To have an NHL team, express an interest in you playing signing for them and playing for them on the spot that I can't imagine there's anything quite that can pump your confidence quite like that. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I agree. And I think it just kind of a lot of hard work and and a lot of dedication that you kind of see, like sometimes it can be difficult because you don't know if what you're doing, if you're doing the right thing or how far off you are, or if you're very close. So Obviously, getting that uh, contract going into senior year was was pretty exciting for me, and like you said, just a big boost of confidence and and knowing that 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 was the goal and, and that it wasn't that I wasn't that far off. But yeah. um, obviously, my my heart was still set at Michigan and and being the captain and, and being able to lead that group and and be with the guys. And um, uh, like I said, I I couldn't be more thankful for my time there. Yeah, and what was it like? So I think from the outside. Looking in, people see all those first round draft picks, all that incredible talent. 
And uh, not questioning any of the guys, the character of the guys, certainly. But players that are that extremely talented can be uh, particular. Yeah. They have goals. They have their own, I don't want to say agenda, but but they're used to playing at a certain standard and having things done a certain way. I can't imagine being captain of that group uh, was always easy. That's a lot of personalities to juggle. But you tell me what it what it was like and and what was that group like? It seemed like an just talking to you and Kent Johnson seemed like an incredibly tight knit group. Yeah, well, you're right. You're spot on there. It was a really close group, and um, I mean, everybody, a lot of those guys after getting drafted didn't didn't have to come back. They could have they could have signed and yeah. been a one and done and, and went on to the, the teams that drafted them, but. The biggest thing was the culture that we were trying to set was was playing for Michigan and and winning for Michigan and I think it speaks to a lot of a lot of the guys on the team who did come back and um and who wanted to win for Michigan they they didn't just come back just to have fun and and go to college they came back to to make the Frozen Four and, and ultimately to win a national championship and sadly we we didn't we didn't weren't able to do that in our time but um but yeah I mean obviously there's there's difficult conversations you have to have but. Um, it was just the guys in general, there's so many good guys and, and guys who wanted to learn and, and guys who wanted to get better. So it made it, um, it made it a ton of fun for me and just, uh, just a joy to come to the rink every single day. Yeah. So Kent Johnson's a guy that grew up playing centerman was drafted as a center played left wing at Michigan, uh, for two years. How many conversations did you have with him? If any, specifically about where he was playing and I don't want to say it was a sacrifice because when you look at the opportunity in Michigan, the talent there, uh, but he but he was giving up his, sort of his preferred position to for the betterment of the team. Did you guys have conversations about that and and sort of him making that decision rather than insisting on playing center? Uh, honestly, no. I, I that wasn't really anything that that came up. Um, I mean, we had so many good centers on the team, and yeah. including Kent could have been one of them too, but. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think he was still playing on a line with Matty Beneers, who has right four points in his first four games in the NHL, and um, Brendan Brisson, who has been tearing it up in the American League, and um, so he, I think he was able to <laughs> to suck it up a little bit with the guys right. that he was playing right. with. You know what I mean? And oh, okay, um, yeah, just just the way that we played too, like. Yeah. If if Kent was the first guy back, he would he would take center. Matty would fill the wall, and and it's the same. Same here for the most part. So, um, yeah, Maddie was taking draws, but I mean, those guys were all over the place and um, and what they were doing and just playing playing free and, and playing the right way. So, yeah, uh, I think he was able to get over that. And um, obviously, it's a lot easier to get over that when you're playing with those guys too. Heck yeah! Uh, tell me about your first meeting with the with the Blue Jackets. I understand it was around Christmas time last year, and certainly they were there to see Kent Johnson a lot uh, this year and the year before they. They couldn't help but notice you. Tell me what it was like when when you realized that the Blue Jackets were there to meet with Nick Blankenberg, not just Ken Johnson. Yeah, it was uh, it was obviously pretty cool, and it's it's cool to talk to any any GM or or any assistant GM or anybody who who works for an NHL organization. For me, obviously that was that was a bit new to me going into this year, but uh, it was nice. I talked to uh, I talked to Basil uh, a decent amount just over over the phone or, or over text and. Um, and then we were able to set up a zoom call with, uh, Yarmo, Basil, uh, Rick Nash, uh, Josh, uh, and I think maybe a couple other people too, but, 
it was just nice to kind of hear what they had to say and and what they thought of my game and um, kind of where where we were going to go next with it and, and just trying to build a relationship over the next next few months. And obviously they were at a decent amount of our game. So it was nice to actually meet uh, Basil and, and Rick and, and Yarmo in, in person, which was which was pretty cool, too. And sure. Um, put a name to a face and, and be able to actually talk to them in person. So it was, it was pretty nice and, and had some other conversations too throughout, uh, throughout before playoffs started and whatnot. And uh, just on, on where they saw me and, and just kind of the fit the, within the organization. And uh, it felt really good, felt really good with me, really honest. And, um, and yeah, so really, really happy for the decision and, and just really thankful for the opportunity. Yeah. And just from speaking with your agent, Blake Robeson, he, he was saying that there were probably up to 10 teams that showed interest in you. Can you articulate what it was about the Blue Jackets? Was it just that the personal touch, the the relationship built between the guys that swung it in, in that favor? Was it the opportunity to play? You're getting to play quite a bit right now. Uh, what pushed you towards Columbus? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of both too. Um, you don't really want to go somewhere where if they tell you you can go play games at the end of the year, but it just doesn't feel right. Um, so I'm happy. I'm happy with the decision. And like I said, they the relationship that I was able to build with them before before signing just felt right. And um, obviously, any any time you get to join join the NHL organization after the season season is over with college, it's it's pretty special. So I think that was that was an important thing for me too, and just looking at opportunity and and whatnot, and just the culture that that they're trying to build here. I feel like I I fit in great with um, with what Larson and the coaching staff is is expecting from the guys and and the team, and just the compete level and the work ethic every night. And I feel like that's something I I consistently bring and and something that I do every day. So um, I think it was a it was a great fit. Yeah, I, I was really touched. I I, I can't imagine what 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 your feelings were like that your first game against Montreal, there's all those Michigan teammates there in their homemade sweaters. Some of them were awful. If I could be honest, um, some of them looked great. They, they all showed up for you though. And I'm, I can't imagine a, a better, a better feeling from your, you had so many people in the building that night almost had to be almost overwhelming. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if I was super overwhelmed. I, I think, I think I was just, just really thank. I mean, it's hard to put into words, obviously the feelings of playing in your first NHL game and, and to be able to do it in front of your teammates and, and friends and, and family. But I guess the biggest thing that I, I took out of that night is just how thankful I am for, for all the amazing support I have, whether if that's old Romeo, Romeo high school teammates or coaches coming out to the game, my, obviously my family or, or the Michigan guys and, um, I think that's just, that's something that I, pri- I've had pride in over my last, over my, just hockey career in, in general is just having building relationships with guys that are meaningful and, and, and that last. And, um, yeah. I think that just kind of shows the relationships that, that the guys had at Michigan and, and even with me before that with old teammates and whatnot. So, yeah. um, really happy that, that all of them were able to make it and, um, just really thankful for them. Yeah. Um, so you're four games in, you've, you've gone over the 20 minute mark in a game. Uh, you've quickly gained the trust of the, the coaches here. Larson's raved about you after at least a couple of these games. What's been the adjustment? What has the adjustment been like for you and getting used to playing in the NHL, the pace of it, the, the size of it, the, 
the way that there's just so less so much less time to do anything with the puck than maybe you're used to. Yeah. I think in general, I think you just have to be, um, you have to think the game a little faster and, and you just have to play faster in general, whether that's um, breaking a puck out or, or making a play in the neutral zone or even in the offensive zone. Um, I think there's, there'll be learning curves throughout every game and then throughout every practice. And I try to always be learning and, and trying new things and, um, just trying to continue to grow. So I think the biggest thing, um, for me is obviously when you kind of get hemmed in, hemmed in the D zone against bigger guys, it, it can be challenging, but playing man on man, I think has made it a little bit easier. Basically, Hey, this yeah. is my guy. And, and I have to, basically who wants it more. Um, so for me, I, I feel like that's been good and, and obviously the compete and whatnot. And, and then I think just the biggest thing too, is the adjustment from, uh, trying to create offense. I think Obviously, it's it's the best league in the world, and it's not easy to not easy to create offenses as a defenseman. So I think that'll that'll come with time and and just sure. gaining more confidence and and playing more games and and becoming more comfortable as time goes on. Yeah, have you had those holy smokes moments though when you're like, my God, that's Andre Kopitar, <laughs> or that holy smokes, that's Ryan Getzlaff. Like these guys that you've no doubt seen, all stars, perennial all stars, superstars of the league. What is that like lining up across in these guys in the sort of the quiet moments when you're you're able to breathe and think a little bit on the ice? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's definitely pretty cool to be to be playing against those guys and you grow up and and you watch them or you see them in the All Star game and and you see what you can do. So I guess the biggest thing is just when when you're out on the ice with them, just really making sure you're you're dialed in and yeah. and you're ready when when you get the puck or, or when they get the puck. But um, I think the biggest thing I don't I didn't even realize how how big those guys are. Like Kopitar is no. Oh. Huge. huge or even same same with get gets laugh or yeah um so i think that's that's the biggest thing that surprised me obviously they're unbelievable players but like just their size you you don't really notice it on tv as much compared to in person yeah 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 because it's all relative right yeah <laughs> yeah it's like when you stand next to an nba guy you're like whoa oh but on yeah the, on the basketball court they don't look that big because the guy next to him is six foot six too yeah yeah um we, we asked uh readers to uh, Twitter followers to throw in some questions here. And so we got a few of them here that we'll get to that are great. Which NHL defense, and this is from, from Pale Smith, I'm not going to pronounce the name right, but Pale Dragon Seabus, which NHL defenseman has he modeled his game after? Um, and has he taken into consideration guys of similar size, like Spurgeon or uh, Tory Krug? Yeah, I think those two are spot on. Uh, Tory Krug and, and Jared Spurgeon, I think, are are the two that I... I look up to obviously Spurgeon's uh, a right-handed defenseman and um, you can just see how, how good he is on the ice. And obviously he's not, not the biggest guy. So he's got some speed too. And then I think Tory Krug is, is similar in, in his ways and, and he's got some, some physicality to his game, which is something that I, I try and model too. So it's definitely uh, anytime those guys are playing, uh, I always try and watch them and, and try and try and learn from them. Yeah. Uh, this is from Ryan Ramsey asking about the range of emotions. Uh, that came with losing in the Frozen Four semifinal to then just a day or so later signing your first NHL deal. I imagine one helped get over the other, um, but that's got to be a really wild time in a in a person's life to have that sort of range of emotion. Yeah, obviously for me, it was a uh, really quick turnaround and, and same for KJ. And uh, those are always memories that, that you want to share with the guys kind of the last couple of days you're, you're together, but, um, 
at the end of the day, I know this was this was a dream of mine to, to sign an NHL contract and and to play an NHL game. So that was also really important to me. But um, it'll be nice. I'll be able to once the season's over, I'm going to head back to head back to school and, and live there for for a month or two and, and train and skate and, and be around the guys. So I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome. Uh, this is from Hope, who may she may know you because this sounds like inside information, Nick. Um, yeah. Carrie Cow- Carrie's cowboy hat is the uh, Twitter feed. Will we ever see the mullet again? Did you, in fact, once have a mullet? <laughs> yeah, I always. I think ever since like sophomore year of high school, once playoffs come around, I've always had a mullet, and I just honestly in the summers I've had some good mullets too. And yeah. I I got a haircut the next day after after our season was over. I couldn't come here with it, but. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll come back in the summer once my hair grows out. Maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I'll back, get it going again. Bring it back. Uh, oh, yeah. This is from John, J-Acoustic1. What is the – and I can relate to this as the guy whose last name gets butchered all the time. What's the worst butchering of your last name you have seen or heard? It's not a it's not a difficult name, but there's lots of similar variations. How, how many different pronunciations or variations of it have you heard, Nick? Yeah, I don't know. There's a decent amount. Like some people will call me Blackenberg. Right. Um, they'll spell they'll spell the the U with an E. Right. Um, I don't know. I think the worst one might might be like Blunkenberg or something like that. Yeah. But I try. I don't really pay. I don't really pay too much attention. Right. That's not not yeah. the end of the world for me. No, exactly. As long as they know your name. And last one here from Mick Walter. What is your favorite thing to do off the ice? What would you be doing if you weren't playing hockey? That's a great question. I'd be golfing. I love to golf. Oh yeah. Uh, over, over my four years at Michigan, every summer I've, I've had the golf membership through the university course. And, nice. uh, after workout and skate in the morning, a bunch of the guys will go out to the course and, and, uh, and enjoy the Michigan course. And so I definitely say golfing once the season's over, I'll be, I'll be hitting the links all the time. Nick, I think I just figured out why you signed with the blue jackets. Why you're aware of double Eagle, of course, right? Yeah. Some of the guys were telling me about, uh, it. there you go. Yeah. Um, I bet you're excited to get out there because that is one of the best courses in America. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I heard there's yeah. a lot of good courses around here. That's the membership you want, my man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nick, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. I, I, I have to think that the rest, you getting this taste of the NHL for the rest of this season is going to be hugely beneficial going into the off season and going into next season. Such There's no better education. Than, than to experience these games. Is that how you're looking at this last stretch? Yeah, exactly. I think it's uh, kind of to see where I'm at and, and what things I'm doing well and, and to co- continue to do and and what things that I can get better at um, working on in the summer just to become even better and, and grow even more. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate your time. Fascinated by your story and excited to see where this is going to go. I, I think there's a lot of kids, uh, young hockey players that can certainly draw inspiration from this story. Uh, and we'll continue to do so over the years. So thanks so much for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks, guys. So there you have it, folks. Nick Blankenberg, say that last name correctly, of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, what a story. What a, what an interesting kid. You're going to be hearing a lot more about him. I One gets the sense he's going to be around here for, for quite a while. I know the front office is enamored with him. Um, and really impressed with the way that he's played. So thanks for listening. We'll be back with you again next week. And I appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you then. Take care. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.